Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Real good. Real good. That was... Uh, that was... Uh, that was Oilers hockey at the speed of sound, Bruce. I think there were sonic booms going off all game long there because um, they were flying out there in a 7-4 win over the Nashville Predators. Bruce, let's get right at this. We got two good things, two bad things, and two numbers, and we're going to do two good things each. So we got plenty of talking to do. What is your first good thing? Right. Uh, well, I'll take. I'll go with Leon Dreisaitl. Had a very high event game. He was on the ice for a lot of goals at both ends of the ice, but uh, considerably more for Edmonton than for uh, the other guys. And uh, he was involved in five different uh, goals for Edmonton uh, with four assists and one goal, just one goal against Nashville this time. Uh, a little below his usual average of two plus. So now Oilers last nine against Nashville. They're 8 0 and 1, and uh, Leon's got 18 goals in the nine games. Can you imagine? 18 goals in nine games. I can't hurt. I can't. Really. Yeah, two, or, two or more. Like tonight was only the second time they've held him under two in that stretch. So, but tonight he was ditching more than more than shooting. He only had three shots on net. But uh, uh, 23 minutes of ice time to lead the forwards yet again, which has become a standard thing every game. 22 to 24 minutes. Uh, 16 and eight on the dot to lead the team in, in most faceoffs taken by a wide margin yet again. And uh, uh, he won a substantial share of them tonight. Recently, he's been around 53, 55% a lot of games. Tonight, 67%. And just some of those dishes, David, in the first period alone, I, caught, I counted four wonderful backhand passes from dry settle, starting with the one early in the game that opened, uh, well, tied the game after Na- Nashville scored right off the hop in the very first play of the game. And uh, the Oilers needed to stabilize the game quickly, and they did. Uh, in fact, they took control of the game with uh, two consecutive goals, both set up uh, by dry settle to Evander Kane, who uh, had the deadly finish in both cases. Uh, but both the setups were absolutely sublime. And, and uh, uh, of course, Leon also had the primary assist on um, Kane's empty netter at the end, where he sent a bullet pass over right on the tape, because Kane would have been offside if he feathered it. So he, he put that one over hard, and Kane just waltzed in to put away his hat trick goal. Uh, and the fourth one was just a clean face-off win that, well, David put away, and oh yeah, he scored a goal, which was a real important goal. I thought Nashville was coming hard, hard, hard for the last. Honestly, since the first period, I thought they're just not going to go away. You think you're going to just sort of coast, get a three-goal lead, and coast to the finish line? That's not how it's going to work. And they, uh, they brought it. I got all kinds of respect for how Nashville played tonight. Hard, a little dirty, uh, but hard. They never, ever gave it up. And. Well, maybe with 10 seconds left, you know, but it was uh, 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 it was tough sledding out there. And they uh, uh, that 6-3 goal on the power play uh, set up by a great Ryan Nugent Hopkins pass through the diagonally through the slot after McDavid gained his own, took another hit, uh, but dished off the uh, uh, dished off the pass to Nugent. He was able to make a beautiful diagonal low to high pass and Leon was in his favored spot. 
and he managed to rip one past uh, UC Saros, who had a very tough time of it in the Nashville cage. And he made a lot of good saves. He was just peppered with a lot of high quality rubber. So, uh, I yeah. Think Leon would be my personal first star in this game, uh, but it's close. And I know you're going to go uh, with uh, uh, one of the alternatives. Leon was in on uh, eight grade-A uh, scoring chance shots, three at even strength, eight on the power play. So quite a night for uh, for Dreisaitl on the attack. Bruce, it was one of those nights, it, it, really, it really was reminiscent of the 1980s. Um, different in one way, and that the, the orders in the 80s just the other teams just seemed to be a lot worse in every single way than the orders back then. There just seemed like such a gap in, in, in all areas of the game. Now the NHL is closer all around, the, the skill level of all the teams are, is higher. There's not these horrible players. Like, it seemed like every NHL team in the 80s had one or two guys who just didn't really belong in the NHL and got eaten alive by the orders. That's not the case anymore. But this night had the that 90s, 1980s sense, and then it was such a magical night for the Oilers on the attack. They were just just making so many fantastic plays, and Leon Drysaddle's backhand passes, you know, um, were high on the list of that. You know, the, I'll talk about McDavid in a second here, but yeah, his passing, his backhand passing, it is so tremendous. That one he fired to Kane on the uh, first goal. Uh, yeah, that was the first goal. What a what a great what a great pass that was. Like who no one else in the world can make that pass consistently mm-hmm. at least. I, I don't think. Maybe is there someone else? Maybe maybe there's some other guy. Is there someone on Colorado who can do it? McCarr or McKinnon? I don't know, but man, he's Four incredible. Passes on the backhand. I, I I stack Leon up against anybody, but you know, obviously I see him play eighty two games a year and I don't see anybody yeah. play anywhere close to that amount, but I well, I'm sure Austin. Sure, Austin Matthews could do it. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> just kidding. One, just one more backhand pass by Mike, and that was in the first period before the second goal. And this was maybe 30 seconds before the second goal, when it was one to one. And Nashville was doing what they did a lot in this game, which is control the puck in Oilers territory and move it around the perimeter. And it went to Philip Forsberg behind the net. He fumbled the puck for a split second, and Leon just came right through him and took him out took the puck off of him, took it into the corner, and he got surrounded by, I think, two Preds. And he looked up, and he was able to make about a 30-foot backhand up the boards to Yamamoto, who was able to walk it out of the zone. After that, they they took it in. It took him a while to, you know, I think they had three cracks at it before the third one eventually found the back of the net. Uh, but it was all, the whole reason they had the puck in the first place happened 200 feet away 30 seconds earlier with a good check and a very good outlet pass. Again, off the backhand side yeah. of the blade. And he right just lashes, the... just lashes those backhand passes. You know who else has a nice backhand pass? We saw it a couple of times tonight was uh, Roman Yossi of the National Predators. He can, He's such a talented hockey player and he, he makes nice backhand passes. And of course, he's got that Doc Holliday mustache, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is incredible. Um, Huckleberry. All right. Bruce Drysdale with 11 major contributions to grade A shots. Connor McDavid with 15. 15. 15. 11 on the power play. 11 on the power play? I think so. Does that make sense? I better check that. Well, that's what we got. 
Norway's power play had 13 shots. Yeah. And so we goals. have 11. Nashville's had four shots and two goals. 11 for major, 11 on the power. We've never seen that, I'm sure. Some with more than 10 um, major contributions to a grade A shot on the power play. Well, he was sure was in the middle of it. And there was one power play. It seemed like they were having a grade A shot every 10 seconds for a while. Yeah. So um, his, his, I'm just trying to think of his goals. So the, the, uh, the one goal on the power play off the faceoff was fantastic. I mean, just the way he went in there and um, just went cross, just across the ice, kept moving across the ice with the puck, and then bam, right in off the post. The goalie has no chance. He just he just doesn't know what's going to happen next. And the first goal, um, let me see here. That's a stretch pass. Oh yeah, Hyman takes the Hyman takes the hit. That's right. Hyman takes the hit in, in the neutral zone after and like. Evan Bouchard, I was saying this before we got on the air here, uh, on the internet. Um, his stretch passing, Bruce, is starting to rip other teams open. He's He's got his head up. He's looking for that pass. He's making two or three or four a game and just ripping off those passes, and it's shredding the forecheck. The Oilers were a little bit vulnerable to the forecheck, and they are still a little bit vulnerable to the forecheck. But that kind of passing play takes that away. The other teams suddenly backing up you can't have your defenseman pinching in like that and and just cheating up on the orders if you have a defenseman who can make that kind of pass and he's now making that kind of pass consistently just shredding the opposition with those daggers i love it uh, so on this play mcdavid comes in it's on, on the two-on-one and what a shot he um he just waits and waits he's got his eyes up the entire time he's looking for for, for the five hole and it's there, and he just puts it in on the off the inside of the goalie's leg. Might even, you know, might be kind of a painful thing. I don't even know if he hit his pad. I think he might have hit that area where there's no padding between the pants and the pad. Anyway, he picked that spot so well, moving in on that two-on-one and just fired it by the goalie. He was absolutely electric tonight with his um, changes of uh, pace and his changes of direction. There was a few times on the power play and in even, both power play even strength, where he just was going one way and then just rapidly the other direction it must be just what a nightmare to try to cover that guy you can't you can't stop it you cannot stop it now that said there's a few defensemen who are kind of successful you know we, we've seen in colorado's demon taves and mccarr and um in the past mark edward vlasic um the winnipeg defenseman morrissey and and um had some success. So if you're a s- extraordinary defensive skater, agile, you might have a chance. Other than that, he's just going to eat you alive. And that's what he did all night tonight against the Nashville Predators. He was, they had, you know, as the announcers love to say, they had no answer for Connor McDavid. There was Great one rush, game. David, where he came up uh, on the power play and they did that patented, I guess you could call it now, where they drop it back to him. And it was actually probably patented by some other coach about three or four years ago now. But everybody does it. But the Oilers do it better than almost anyone because they have uh, sometimes dry saddle, but usually McDavid that's uh, gets the puck uh, deep when the defenders have already backed off and then they drop the puck back. So the guy has a head of steam up and the defensemen don't or the defending team doesn't. But he came right up through the middle of the ice. And I bet there was like seven guys there. I think he stick handled through all four penalty killers for uh, uh, for Nashville and, and two or three of his own teammates 
And Jack talked talked about him stick handling through a phone booth, except for this was a fast moving phone booth. You know, usually you think of nothing moving very fast, and he went right through the phone booth and didn't even break the glass. He just came right on out the other side with the puck and wound up firing a wicked drive that, uh, unfortunately, Sarah um, stopped. And I say unfortunately because that would have been a nice one to see. Those are the ones you're more often going to see them on the highlight reels if they wind up in goals. But the rush well, was well, breathtaking. Think of a phone. Think of a like the Matrix too. It's a phone booth on a flatbed truck on a highway in an accident, and he's and he's stick handling in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that was in the Matrix too. I think Connor McDavid was in that movie. Uh, all right. Um, what's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, lots of good things tonight, but I guess I'll default to the hat trick man, Evander Kane, and his three goals, including the two that turned the game in the first period uh, from a 0 1 deficit to a 2 1 Oilers lead, both on great shots that we've already discussed and described to some extent. Uh, the empty netter was the icing on the cake, put it away where the the uh, three main men on this night uh, all handled the puck in rapid succession, but it was actually Kane himself who made that empty net goal with a great play in his own end, where he not only took skated right through the Nashville guy that had the puck, but he chipped the puck off of him, tipped it over to McDavid. Now McDavid and Drysaddle are breaking out of the zone with Kane catching up, and only good things are going to happen from that scenario, and they did. <laughs> so that was his hat-trick goal. He had eight shots on net in this game. Tied uh, Connor McDavid for the most, eight shots on, on goal uh, in this game. That's, a, that's you know, usually you see a guy with eight shots, he's three or four ahead of anybody else on his team. But uh, tonight, those guys were both firing away. Uh, just a couple of hits by this usual bull in the china shop attitude. And this was a game where Nashville was pushing hard and the Oilers needed uh, uh, everything yeah. that they, uh, everybody pushing back as best they could. And I think largely they got it, even though they, uh, uh, you know, they clearly were the lesser of the two physical teams in this game. But I, I wouldn't say they got pushed around in this game, which is the main thing. Yeah. Did I, they remind me of the Calgary Flames, the um, National Predators. Just not quite as high, high a level of, of talent, but just a big, tough team. Maybe even mm-hmm. tougher than the Flames. I'd like to. I hope the Flames and the uh, Predators meet in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, my second good thing, Bruce, is going to be the kind of some unsung guys on the team. Tyson Berry. He's had a fairly rough start to the year defensively, especially. And he hasn't he hasn't shown as much flair moving the puck. Um, he's leaked a high level of shots against at even strength, but tonight I believe he kept a clean sheet, which means he didn't make one mistake at even strength. And um, I thought he was really getting involved in the play on the attack, and he made an absolutely gorgeous pass to Derek Ryan on Edmonton's fourth goal, which um, Devin Shore and Holloway were also involved in. They had made an earlier really nice rush and um, play where Shore put it from from a little distance, but Holloway was screening the goalie and Shore put it off the, I think he the post of the crossbar. Yeah. That the fourth line. This is the first time that the orders I think have had all four lines going mm-hmm. um, to some extent, 
and I think probably got the better of the play in my in my view. Each of the four lines, I don't know if the third line had a lot. Well, they had one really good chance, as I recall. But um, all four lines were going, and they had a fourth line. I mean, the orders have gone without a fourth line in many games, so that's the reason you haven't seen that. Part of the reason you haven't we haven't seen that before. But this fourth line of Holloway, Shore, and um, Ryan looks like it has some promise. I mean, Shore um, looked like he was elevating his game playing with Holloway, and Holloway was fast, buzzing around. He looked like he could have been on the kid line in the 1990s playoffs, Bruce, um, from the style of play, you know, with uh, Joe Murphy, Adam Graves, and Martin Jelena. He's, he would fit right in in that kind of style of uh, four-fun play. So I'm not sure they have all the elements in place, but Holloway, I know there's been talk recently, should he be on the fourth line if he's only playing so many um, minutes a game? Does he deserve to be here? Would he be better served in back in Bakersfield? Well, my thought to now has been that he's just coming back from an injury. He's just getting his game together. Um, let him play in the NHL. Like he's let him let him see if he can stick here after coming back from an injury because he was really good in preseason. Let's see what he's got because we don't know yet because he's just getting healthy again and he's just getting into the game again. And tonight, I think, was his best game by far um, that he's played. And he looked really good. He looked like he belongs in the NHL. And there's enough, um, you know, so, some players on the top line are struggling. Kyler Yamamoto's struggling, I, I, I'm guessing. He's he's also coming back from injury, and I'm, I think he's still playing hurt. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look like he's really digging in there like he can. And... Um, might be an idea to move Yamamoto to the fourth line for a while and, and promote Holloway. Now, not right away. I, I just think, you know, let Holloway build on this on the fourth line. I'm okay with if he plays for another two weeks on the fourth line. And then if he's not moving up or not getting adequate ice time or, or not thriving, then send him down. But let's let him get completely healthy. See if he can get in this in sync in this team. Because I think we have an NHL player here right now. And I, I just want to see if my, I want to see if that's, if he can confirm that or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can confirm that Yamamoto is fighting the puck. And, yeah. And I think that uh, not only is he likely still hurt, but it occurs to me that he's likely nursing a wrist or a thumb or an elbow or something that's affecting his puck handling because the puck goes through his stick or he overskates it over and over again. And tonight he, I mean, he hung in there and there was, he actually played his best hockey after he really got clobbered in the second period, twice he got run into the boards, Yamamoto. And after the second one, he got up, he got up mad, and he was <laughs> all over the puck for the next 45 seconds and uh, playing with uh, with uh, they call reckless abandon. And uh, he had uh, Yamamoto had, uh, yeah, no hits officially, but uh, uh, anyway, he's uh, he's fighting it. Uh, I, I like that. Sort of display of, of uh, gumption from him at that point because this was a game where where uh, angels would fear to tread, uh, but there wasn't too many angels out there. So <laughs> that's the good news. The Oilers don't have a team of angels, Bruce. That's that's why they got Evander Kane, right? Like, and uh, uh, he's 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 and Nima Line, and they've got some big tough players like they Drysital. CeCe's a big guy. Hyman's Bruce a big really guy. a couple of guys tonight, too. Yeah, Kuzak is playing t- a fairly tough hockey. You know, he's not... Fogel's a big guy. Holloway's a big guy. This isn't a small team. McDavid's a big guy. So, um, the owners aren't going to be easily pushed around by any team, I don't think. Um, 
What's your bad thing? Yeah. Oh, bad thing. Uh, you and I, we kind of crossed swords a bit. You go ahead, and I'm going to figure out my other bad All right. thing. All right. Your, yours encompassed mine. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, uh, no, mine fine. is mine's Jack Campbell. <laughs> mine's Jack Campbell. Um, he the 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 the, the grade A shots were twenty to ten for the Oilers in this game, according to our uh, calculations. And a subset of that was five alarm shots. There was uh, seven by the Predators and ten by the Oilers. And so if you work that out in terms of expected goals based on our system, the, the Predators should have scored three goals and the Oilers about seven. 6.7, I think, um, something like that. So the Oilers got about the right amount of goals, and Campbell let in the Oilers. The, the Preds got an extra one. Of course, the Oilers got an empty netter out of that. So um, Campbell, so so it wasn't like he was terrible. They had a lot of good chances. They had a lot of very dangerous shots on that, and he made some good saves. That said, on two, on on one of the goals, and, and a really big goal in the game, which is always the first goal. And sometimes in the past, the Oilers have not recovered from a play like this. But it, in a lot of ways, it was very much a nothing play. Yeah, the, the puck gets kind of thrown at, at net, and it goes off Nurse's skate, and then it goes off CeCe's stick, and it bounces in on Campbell fairly fast and sudden. But he's the goalie, right? Like, that's that's your job. Handle that. Deal with that. And what he does is, is he puts an easy rebound to um, the Nashville forward who's coming in uncovered. So I just think... You got to be quicker. You, like that's the kind of play he's got to make. He's got to make that stop. He's having some trouble with rebound control right now. I'm not sure why that is. Um, and and then in, early in the second period, he makes ten sec. Like this just was twenty sec- some seconds, thirty seconds into the first period. Thirty four. The goal was yeah. Yeah, and then um, right early in the second period, they come out and he makes another bad gaffe. He gives a turnaway right into. In 10 seconds into the second period, right onto Nashville. And they take it in and they get another five-alarm shot because of him. So this is two plays where he's integral to bad things happening. And um, and again, you let in that one goal, which is a stinker, early in the game. Teams often don't come back from that. And it's, and it's a good thing that this Oilers team is like the Showtime Oilers. Um they're an amazing attacking team, which can come back from one and two goal deficits regularly. But when when the Oilers weren't that a few years ago, this is what killed them. You know, Talbot was letting in those early goals and Koskinen, and um, they didn't come back and they missed the playoffs a couple of years. So it's a different uh, type of squad. But, you know, um, I did a post, Bruce, on this issue because there, there's lots of people, you know, what I would say overreacting to Campbell's bad play right now and overreacting to Skinner's good play. <clears throat> and I, and what's, what's what I was, what strikes me with goalies is just how up and down they are. So I was just looking back over the last few years of, well, in the McDavid era of the kind of the hot streaks and the bad streaks in terms of save percentage of the goalies. And it's, it's amazing. You know, most of the goalies were going through one, at least one and often two, extended terrible streaks a year even cam talbot in his great year in 2016-17 went through a, a, a really rancid streak of seven games where he had a low save percentage and wasn't making the saves um he did have like a 40 40 game hot streak in that um where he would rarely have more than one or two games in a row with a bad save percentage in those 40 games he was incredible that year 
But every year, um, so last year, for instance, Koskinen had two streaks of seven games or more where he was really good, like with 930, 920 save percentage, that, you know, high up there. And then he had two really terrible streaks of seven or more games. Mike Smith had one each, a really bad streak and a really good streak right at the end. In fact, that good streak Mike Smith had at the end of last year was the best streak we've seen from an Oilers goalie in terms of save percentage in the entire McDavid era. He was at 960-something. Anyway, so my point is... It's the best since let's, Nikolai Hagerboulin <laughs> in October of 2011. Yeah. <laughs> um, indeed, the Boulin wall. My point is, let's not overreact to Jack Campbell's troubles right now. He was hot and cold last year with Toronto. He had a really great hot streak along one and a really bad down streak. I, and I think the down streaks often come for the goalies when they're injured. Now, I don't know if he's nursing a little injury or not. I just think he might be a little shaky adjusting to a new team. That's my bet. It's a new team, jitters, getting used to everyone, getting used to each other, figuring things out, figuring out the order system, blah, blah, blah. He'll be okay. He will go on a hot streak. And as good as Stuart Skinner is right now, he will go on a bad streak. These things are expected with NHL goalies, at least in Edmonton. And I doubt they're that different than <coughs> most other NHL goalies. So I don't think it's time to overreact with Campbell. I think he's going to be okay. But he did have a rough game tonight. Well, he's uh, uh, he's won, uh, what is he, five wins, two losses. So, uh, you know, that... I mean, he's won games by scores of six to four, six to five, and seven to four. Or you wouldn't really say the goaltending was what was the uh, what won them those games, but he didn't lose those games. Um, I think uh, some of the jitters may just be the the weight of expectations with that new contract, you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's hope that he gets past it. I mean, the first month was. Uh, I'm. I got to say, I'm still on sort of show me state with uh with uh, Campbell and that first goal was a was an example of he said let's not overreact one of the things I've seen him do I think is overreact uh which is when he sees a puck late and he makes an emergency save his rebound control is terrible and the instinct seems to be to just kick the puck right back up the middle of the ice uh rather than pillow it direct it into a corner uh, or even sometimes maybe kick it past the guy, the nearest guy, out further into the higher in the zone. Uh, but when he sees it at the last second, he you know he'll react and make the save, but the rebound is you know, gimme. And this one tonight well, it was a tap in for uh, Matthias Ekholm, and it was this. I mean, the puck. It was a weird shot. It hit Nurse's skate, and it deflected. And that's why CC was. Uh, he, he'd already reacted to it, and then he kind of, uh, because Nurse tipped it, CeCe's stick was too far to one side, and he wound up tipping it in on goal. So it was a double deflection, but the darn thing was never going at any speed. And I just thought Campbell could have done more with it in terms of, of protecting the, uh, uh, you know, not putting it in such a bad spot. So I did not like that goal, especially right off the start of the game. That giveaway, I think it was four seconds into the second period, was pretty cautious. Yeah. And the third period, first very first shift, there's a shot that comes in and hits him, and it bounces right under the slot, and he's looking around, where's the puck, where's the puck, and it's right in front of him. And thankfully, an oiler was the closest guy to it that was able to clear it, because if there had been a second shot, I can guarantee you the goalie wouldn't have seen it, because he was 
looking the other way. Yeah, I was thankful. Yeah, so he's had uh, he's had some moments tonight. Officially, three giveaways, the most of any oiler, the goalie. So, What's your bad thing? To clean that up. Yeah, I remember what my bad thing is now, and this is uh, this is not on Jack Campbell at all. It's on his teammates, uh, and basically all of them, uh, for their uh, I'm not sure if it was unwillingness or just inability to. Uh, closed down this game when they made it six to three sort of halfway uh, nine minutes into the third on dry power play goal uh that was the time to just clamp things down you know put it to bed mm-hmm. and instead i counted in the next four minutes after the goal four odd man rushes by uh nashville through the neutral zone. It's either three on two, four on two in one case, two on one. And typically it was just they want to face off in their zone and they were off to the races and there was no others forwards around. And I think that there was there was some thinking of padding stats rather than winning the damn hockey game. And it's it's a it's a detail that needs to be paid attention to. And I'm very confident that the coaches will have noticed the same thing and they may be uh, watching that. But one thing that championship teams do in general is when they do get a, a good lead in the game, they don't give up, they don't give away stuff. They, you know, they make the other team go through all five guys to get through the net and don't, don't get three of them beaten with one pass. And I just thought they're, they're, maybe their intensity wavered or just their t- attention to detail and that stretch of the game and none of them turned into goals in the end or even necessarily dangerous shots, but the potential was there in each one of them. Odd man rush, the other guys racing through the neutral zone with the puck and the Oilers backpedaling and outnumbered. And the odd one you can see, four and four minutes, that's, uh, that's got to be uh, dealt with. Okay, um, I'll do my number first then since we've reversed okay. our order there a little bit. Um, it was a bit of a weird game like a little just on your the point you were making it was yeah it was it had a little you know the loosey-goosey quality to it and um and nashville to give nashville credit for that person they just never stopped coming they just never gave up so and my my number relates to that jack michaels mentioned in the stat um the owner's broadcaster halfway through two-thirds through the game but it ended up nashville had 60 hits 20, 60, 60 hits. I don't even know what to say about that, Bruce. 27 for the orders, like 60 hits. Like, what does that even mean? Like, how can a team get 60 hits in a game? Is that a record of some sort? I, I don't know Probably if I've ever... Not, but it, it would be... Uh, it's the highest number I can recall in, in a considerable length of time. Let's put it that way. And Nashville was famous for their physical play, and they showed it, and they brought it. Yeah. There are a bunch of big Bobby Clobbers. Uh, Cole Smith, seven hits. Nino Niederreiter, seven hits. Matthias Ekholm, six hit. Colton Sissons, six hits. Just and just up and down the lineup, every you know they were all hitting. They just they're just a team that goes out there and hits, 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 hits. Every player had a hit except for Matt Duchesne. Fifteen, <laughs> so this, Fifteen of them had at least two hits. So it wasn't just one token hit like uh, 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 Ryan Johansson. He had one, but he was involved in a running feud with uh, 
Brett Kulak all game. Those two guys are really going at it. And there was just, they just, uh, they uh, they kept bringing it. They and they really they, did. Yeah. And even at 5-2 after the second period, I thought, you know, you just can't be messing around in this game. And uh, then, of course, they got the, uh, they got the one, um, one to make it 5-3, and there's still quite a bit of time left. And I was a little bit nervous at that point that it was, uh, but uh, Oilers were able to, uh, you know, they weren't able to score. They were able to create some good situations with the puck in the offensive zone stuff, but they, uh, uh, the Oilers had the finishers that uh, Nashville or really any team would dream to have. Yeah, Nashville's one superstar short of being um, like a, a, a playoff can like a like some kind of playoff threat team that could do something. Maybe they should trade with Vancouver, you know, try to get Elias Peterson out there, um, or or um, J.T. Miller, someone like that, and send Vancouver some character hockey players. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's your number? My number is five, and that five is the number of penalty minutes occurred by one Yessa Pugliarvi tonight. And hands up, all of you out there in oil country who had Yessa Pugliarvi to be the first oiler to get in a fight this season. That was the very first fight at the very end of the 10th game. And wouldn't you know it was uh, uh, the... Uh, the big fin. Maybe they didn't like his Halloween costume a couple of days ago. Right. Was he supposed and to be Pippi Longstockings? I couldn't. I, I'm not quite sure what that was. I think so. <laughs> it was funny. That's what it was. Anyway, yeah, that was funny. Very creative. Wasn't you know? Basically, he came in and bowled the guy over uh, with a pretty heavy hit. Uh, Alexander Carrier, who's a pretty tough nut in uh, his own right. And Nashville, one thing I noticed that was for all the hitting they were doing, anytime an Oiler hit one of their guys, which Nima Linen did earlier in the game, they tried to get him to go. And then when Paul Yarvi uh, pulled the guy over, they uh, wouldn't take no for an answer. So I'm not saying he started the fight, other than, you know, he was still hitting at the end of the game. He had four hits in this game, and I thought played a pretty pretty rugged game. Uh, but uh, uh, once the gloves were off, the gloves were off, and they were both in there, and... Uh, that's his first in his career for Yasapoli Arvey in yeah. 268 games, I think it is, something like that. Still stuck on 99 points, I know. This is next yeah. Yes, I wanted no. Yes, I wanted no part of that fight. Is what I'm saying. He he was he gave the guy a couple of good shoves, but he didn't want mm -hmm. any part of that fight. He's he knows his strengths and weaknesses as a player, and probably fighting's not in the repertoire. I th you yeah, know, the guy Bruce... popped him before he was ever in there, and then after yeah. he got his gloves off, he was, you know, he was on the defensive, but he was not sure. entirely backing down. And... Yeah, I was just anyway. hoping he wouldn't get injured. Was my yeah, main well, hope. mainly yes. Honestly, as I was watching, I was thinking, don't throw a punch, you'll break your hand. Don't take a punch, you'll get a concussion. Just, just tie the other guy up, which is I'm glad to see when the refs got in there fast. You know, speaking of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on NHL players, Bruce, but this new pressure for the Halloween costumes. Mm -hmm. is just out of this world like you just uh, you're on twitter the next day or halloween day or the next day and it's just flooded with all kinds of creative and unbelievable uh uh photographs of the nhl players in their halloween costumes man i would not want that that's <laughs> too much it's too much anyway um are we done you got to do the game grades tonight so i do 
how to get after mm-hmm. it. Plus, you're going to do the 10 game uh, game grade summary coming up. Yep, that's uh, that's tomorrow because they just this was game number 10, which they now finished at seven wins, three losses, thanks to the five game winning streak that completely turned around what had been a pretty slow and sloppy starting to the season. Oh, um, damn. No, so it's uh, uh, all the games in regulation, David, and all almost all of them close. Uh, there was a goalie pull in nine out of the ten games, and only in the Pittsburgh game was there, you know, it was six to three down the stretch, and Pittsburgh didn't bother to pull the goalie. But even that game, mm-hmm. Edmonton was way behind and had to come back to win it. Like it wasn't like an easy get the early lead and just skate away from them all night. But you look at tonight's summary and you'd say that was kind of what happened in this game, but. Even still, it was, you know, uh, they got pushed right into the late going of this game. So they've been winning close games and they've been winning them in different ways. And uh, I think still stuff for the coaches to work on for sure. But uh, positive signs that even when they're less than 100%, which is basically every game, uh, they're still finding ways to pull out the wins. Yeah. There was some freaking out in oil country early in the, you know, early on there. I saw some freaking out going on. I don't think yeah. we were guilty of it, Bruce, but. Um, I noticed a little, a little bit of that happening. I mean, I always thought like this is such a talented team. It, it really is. Like, it is a tremendous team, and it's gratifying as an Oilers fan to see them starting to play to their potential right now and just kick the snot out of other teams. I mean, um, that's not what happened tonight, except on the scoreboard. It was a close game physically and competitively in a lot of ways. But the Oilers really did take it to them on the scoreboard. And, and it's just because they have this unbelievable, almost surreal level of talent now um, on the attack when these guys combine. And, and um, you know, we didn't mention him very much today, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins, some of the passes that he made and plays that he made, were, he's really getting in his groove on McDavid's line in a way that he never did in the past. Um, I think it's a lot of it's probably due to Hyman and what kind of the, um, you know, being the... Um, uh, glue player on that line doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of defensive work and board work in, in front of the net. But man, that line looks fantastic. And obviously Kane and Drysaddle had something going. Once Yamamoto steps up or Holloway steps into that spot or Pulley or one of those guys steps into that spot, and I think they will, one of those guys will figure it out and get that spot. Man, these two top lines, Bruce? Sweet. <laughs> third line going oh and one comment i forgot when you were talking about the fourth line uh that was kind of interesting and i think this really interesting and good wrinkle that the coaches put in tonight and that was moving dylan holloway into the middle of the ice yeah and giving him giving him a game or maybe more than one game at center ice and let's not forget he's playing with two experienced centers Derek ryan has played that position most of his career and devon shore has been the center on that line until now and he you know it's the utility player is comfortable at multiple positions, but they made the choice to, uh, uh, if they're not necessarily going to up Holloway's minutes, that they're going to up his role within the game. Like a winger can often go out there and, you know, play an entire shift and not really be involved, depending on how the puck goes. The center has no choice but to be in the middle of the action. And Holloway was, had three hits tonight. Uh, didn't handle the puck great, but he made some good plays with it. And he, uh, uh, he looked quite at home there, and the and the two vets to his wings uh, uh, responded with pretty good games. And as you mentioned, that pass from Shore to uh, to Ryan for the uh, well, was it Shore to Ryan, or was that was it Shore to Barry to Ryan? 
Oh, it was short. Yeah, was, no, yeah, that's right. It was short. It buried him. Right, short. Sure, made, but he it was he made a, a nice pass too. Pro move that he made, like he yeah. looked very comfortable with the puck, which is not what I'm accustomed to seeing. Like he made a little feint and and just dished it off like a very sweet play. And then Barry, it was Barry that made the backhand pass for uh, for uh, Ryan to sweep into the net. That was a very pretty goal. Fourth line, we'll, you know, don't we've seen pretty goals from the fourth line, but that yeah. Was Moving Holloway to the center spot, um, they've they've tried him there. They've been putting him there, spotting him there in other games. It really worked. I mean, Shore, I don't think, is a natural center in the NHL. I don't think he reads the game well enough defensively. Ryan mm-hmm. is is a very smart hockey player and had a great finish on the goal that he scored. Very nice, putting that puck away. But he's a little small now um, and maybe has lost a little bit uh, of speed. speed. Play center. Um, he's always been small, but he's lost a little bit of speed, I think. To, to really get by at center. So I like that having Holloway there. I think he's quite used. He's been always been a center. And um, he's, he's used to that. And that might help him acclimate to the NHL game, uh, playing in his natural position. Um, We're playing the fourth line. You might as well play 4C. Yeah. That's good one. He did play almost 11 minutes tonight. His first time in double digits. So he did see a, a nice bump in his, uh, in his ice time. So uh, positive arrows. Or uh, Dylan Holloway. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.